0: much of what I'm going to share about is really just like statements wrapped in just truths that we think about. And uh, really, you know, I would probably spend a little bit more time developing this. I was telling this to to the hopes yesterday. Um, Really, this is kind of how a series starts for me, and then I develop it over but I really just feel like just sharing it today not, and not developing it over. So hang with me as I may be a little bit more teachy than, than maybe a little bit more preachy, but take notes. Just write this stuff down, marinate, think about it, just spend time on it uh, because I think it's so critical. So um, I grew up, uh, you know, playing sports, being athletic. We had a pool and things like that, and so always stayed in shape. And then I... Uh, got a job at a desk. So I started in the ministry and then basically uh, got this job at a desk. And so I just sat at a desk all day and drank soda, right? So... All of a sudden, what happened a year or two later is I was like, you know, I'm not in shape as I used to be. And I had a friend of mine who was really into fitness, and I said, hey, you just got to gotta help me here. Uh, just dro- I need to drop this much weight. Just put me on a thing for 30 days. I just need to drop this weight. And he made this statement, which is so true in the kingdom of God. He said, listen, stop using the word diet. Like, diet isn't even the right word that you should have. He said, basically, for you to have the results that you want, you have to establish a sacrificial lifestyle, Diet is the wrong word. You don't go on and then come off, go on and come off. That's not going to work for you. And he said, as a matter of fact, it's not healthy for the body to go up and go down and go up and go down. He said, you have to establish a sacrificial lifestyle, meaning you have to have a lifestyle of things that you daily sacrifice to get the result that you want. What we see in the kingdom of God, and the reason I think that the body of Christ can sometimes come off unhealthy, I'm talking about the church not just our church, you know, I'm just, I'm not pointing like, I'm saying the church, the body of Christ, you're with me. It's not healthy for the body to go up and down on these diets and to fluctuate. We need a lifestyle of sacrificial living, amen? And so what we see is we see people get inspired. Oh God, I know you're calling me to this and we get this great word from God and we go on this sacrificial, really what it is is it's just a kingdom or a destiny diet God, I really want to get this result. This pressure's on my family. This thing is coming to my, I, I, you know, I got this. And so I need a quick, give me 30 days. I want to get to the result that I want. And then you expect God to, and then we just do this fluctuate. We're like kingdom dieters. And God has called us to be in a sacrificial lifestyle with him, where you're, you're constantly giving and sacrificing. That's why when the scripture says that you're to take up your cross and follow him, the cross, literally the definition or, or the meaning of to die on the cross is to crucify your flesh. Meaning when it says, take up your cross and follow me, following is an action. It's a continuing. So it means this, you are to crucify your flesh and continue doing that because you're following God. So it's not like a little diet and then a result, a little desire. It's like, no, he's saying like, look, you want to see the success in the kingdom that I've called you to continually crucify your flesh while following me. That's how we do it. Amen. And so that's why we get the scripture that says, I must decrease so he can increase. It doesn't talk about a finished product there. It's saying, like, my prayer is that daily I can be somebody who, who decreases, who sacrifices, who gives up, who lays something down to God so that more of Him can be a part of me. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Not just like a little diet here and a little thing here. And the scripture is laced with these truths. As a matter of fact, this diet idea of like, hey, if I could just keep a few of these things and then come Jesus comes against those strongly, actually. We'll see here in a minute. And so I love this story here in Exodus. I'll read the scripture and and then we'll go from there. But Exodus chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord and let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Pharaoh wanted to hang on to his his flocks and herds. Let your little ones go with you also. But Moses said, You must also give give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Verse 26, our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So here's how the story's going down. You guys know the burning bush moment. So the burning bush happens. Moses gets called to go set the people free, says, Pharaoh, let my people go. The plagues hit. Finally, Pharaoh says, all right, you can go. But then he makes this interesting statement. He says, take your family. You guys can go. But he says, keep your cattle and your flocks back. So at this moment, they didn't have the presence of God. They didn't have the blessing of God, if you will. They didn't have that on them for 400 years. They couldn't make sacrifice in captivity. And so for 400 years, they knew to get the return of the presence of God, they had to have something to what? Sacrifice. It's not going to do us any good to leave this place and go to a place if we don't have something to sacrifice to God. If it's not going to cost, if we don't have something to, Amen. And so he's saying, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not interested in it. And I know the reason Pharaoh said it that way is because he knew if I take their sacrifice, they'll end up right back where they came from. Do you know that happens to us as Christians all the time? We get saved, we get walking with God, we lay some things down and we leave Egypt, which is a picture of slavery, which is a picture of sin. So we get saved, we get set free from things and then we stop sacrificing. We stop taking up our cross. We stop laying down our lives. And what ends up happening is we go right back into what? Captivity. We fall right back into a sin. We fall right back into a struggle. Why? Because we we fail to keep that sacrifice of that lifestyle of sacrifice before God. Amen? He knew he could recapture them if they didn't have the covering of God because they didn't have the sacrifice for God. I believe that it's our sacrifice that keeps our eyes on God. In our life, when we want to keep vision and we want to stay focused and we want to keep God in front of us, uh, it's our sacrifice. It's what it's what we push aside and what we lay and what we give up to God is what helps keep us focused on God. It helps us remember and retain what's important. I thought about it like this. It's just like, uh, how do you keep a fire burning? How do you keep something going and strong? You keep adding to it. You continually... S- right? Sacrifice, you keep putting on the altar to keep it burning. Uh, The definition of sacrifice is an act of offering something precious. It's the act of offering something precious. So when God calls us to sacrifice, and you know what it is, time, comfort zone, all the things you know what God is nudging you to, it's something precious, It's what are you willing to give up? What are you willing? And so sacrifice is the act of offering up something precious, not something easy, right? Because we want to do the easy one, not something that we don't need anymore. So something not needed. It's something precious. God is calling us to a lifestyle of continually offering to him that which is precious to you. Amen? Amen. I love this definition surrender of something for the sake of something else. Sacrifice can mean surrendering of something for the sake of something else or someone else. So think about that. God's called you to a lifestyle of surrendering something to the benefit of somebody else. So the scripture says, though I've been set free, I have made myself a servant to others that I might see many of what saved, healed, restored, I'm picking up a life. Even though I've been set free, I'm picking up a lifestyle of sacrifice. Why? Because sacrifice is done for somebody else. Amen? Amen. In baseball, they have this thing called the sacrifice fly. And so it means there's a runner on base and you have the opportunity to have an at-bat. You could hit a home run. You could get on base. You could do something. But instead, they position their place or their life in a way that says, I'm going to give up my opportunity And so they hit the ball into a way that that person catches it and it gives this person enough time to run and score. It's the sacrifice fly, meaning I've positioned myself to do something so that somebody else might win. Amen. I'm giving up my opportunity to score you. Amen. I'm giving up my personal position to better the team. I wonder how many of us wake up in the morning and we say, today, my mission is going to be to give up my opportunity so that I can score somebody else. I'm going to give up my plans, desires, my things that are precious to me so that I can better the team or score the team. That's the way God's called us to live. Amen. I love it. Uh, We use this statement all the time. What are you willing to give up to go up? What are you willing to give up to go up? The scripture talks very much about how God prunes us for growth and all these kinds of things, but it's like uh, if you've ever been to the airport, right, and you bring your luggage and you think you weighed it right and you didn't weigh it right, and so all of a sudden you're in that scramble of like, what can we give up, right? You're leaving shoes, you're like, because I got to get it to, what are you willing to give up so that you can go to the next thing? I think there's things in our life, there's stuff that we participate in, the ways that we think, there's things... And we just, it's God saying, hey, like, what are you willing to get rid of so that I can take place of to take you to the next level? They just had the NBA draft, which is where college players get selected for the NBA. And so your whole life, you essentially get weighted out. You play uh, Little League, and then you play high school, and then you make it to college. But every phase, you know, gets rid of another layer of players. And, uh, And so that's what happens in college. There's all of these, you know, I don't know what it is, hundreds of thousands, thousands, I have no idea, basketball players in college, but then another level makes it to the NBA. And I heard the commentator saying, you know, uh, as they would talk about different athletes, they would say, man, this one gave up so much to get here or this one uh, put in, gave up so much, or this one did this to be here. What they were describing is like the reason or the way that this person made it to here is because they were one who was willing to just give up the most to go the most, amen? They were willing to say, whatever's hindering me, whatever's holding me, I'm willing to give up the most to be able to get to what my best is, amen? I believe we need the same ideas in God. Uh, Think about it this way. The minute that you say, I'm not willing to do that to God, is the minute you put a limit on God. You can limit God in your life. He's a gentleman. We hear it all the time. He's, he's not going to make you do anything. He's not going to force you. And so anytime that you say, oh, God, no, that's the line. That's the line. I'm not doing that. I'm not sacrificing. I'm not crossing that. Amen. Yeah. Is the day that you can literally tell yourself, that's the day I limited God that's the day that I put the cap on God, which is insane, right? Because he's the God who can do more than you could ask or think or imagine. Why would you put a cap on that? But we do all the time. Oh God, this, this is safe. If we do this, this, and we put it under this word. We love this word as Christians. It's wisdom if we only do this. Amen. It's wisdom if we put the cap on God like this. It's not wisdom. let's sacrifice and trust God and get out of our comfort zone and give more of ourselves. Amen. I thought about even job, you know there's this story of Job. you can look at job's life, and God, Job was so blessed, the blessed in all the world this time, right? This is what Scripture's saying, all this stuff. and the devil uh, the enemy's walking around and there's this conversation of, man, like, look at this guy, Job. Isn't he just killing it? God's talking to the devil and he says, this guy's killing it. And uh, they get into this conversation and what they begin to look at is the reason that Job was so blessed and the devil's like, I can't even touch him. He's got like this hedge of protection around his life. I can't even come at that guy. And God's like, yeah, you know, and there's these attempts and for how he's gonna do it. And so uh, there's this opportunity for the devil to make a run at this guy, Job. And, and what happens is, The reason Job has this hedge of protection around him and his family is because the scripture says every morning he woke up, he made a sacrifice. Now, that wasn't required in his culture. It wasn't like, oh, like we get up and pray. He got up and did a sacrifice. He sacrificed every day. He got up and sacrificed 10 animals. He made it first. So what do you think the devil came at when they were like, okay, go after him? Do, do you know, make your best run at him is essentially what God says, but you can't kill him So do you know what the first thing the devil did? He sent a tornado to go kill up all of his what sacrifices Because if I take your sacrifices, I can get at you If I can get you to not have a sacrifice lifestyle If I can get you to get on a kingdom diet and just go through tradition and go through the ups and down and just live a Come what may lifestyle. I'll take you out So the first attack he does is steals his sacrifice I thought about this. Satan came to Jesus, takes him out into the wilderness. There, he's tempting him in all these ways. And he says, hey, worship me. Worship me. How about you worship me? And then I'll give you all of the nations. Essentially, I'll give you all, which he already knew was all his anyway. But he says, hey, worship me. Instead of worshiping God, why don't you worship me? And essentially, you'll have everything you want, right? The nations, I'll, I'll give you everything. Do you know that in scripture, our worship is called a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice we lay on the altar. Why do you think the enemy makes it hard for us to worship and to pray and to sacrifice? Because he wants you to take your worship off of God. Here's, here's an even deeper layer in it. Nobody in this room would be like, I'm, you know what? I've decided I'm going to worship. Well, maybe some, I'm going <laughs> to worship the devil. <laughs> Cause there are devil worshipers in Ohio. And, um, and East Lansing. East Lansing, too. <laughs> and Golden State. in um, <laughs> the 90s Bulls fans. But, um, but anyway. <laughs> so I'm just putting it all out there. Still bitter from the finals. Okay, forgive me. <laughs> um, so, so, all right, let's back this all up. Humor aside. Okay. So in worship, our worship to God is called our sacrifice of praise. We realize it takes sacrifice to come into a room like this and sing out loud and raise our hands and put God first and worship. And it's a sacrifice because our bodies are going like, just let's go through the motions. Let's just, we got the next thing. It's a sacrifice of praise to lift up our words. Amen? So what the enemy tries to do is he says, listen, they're probably not going to come in and worship me, the devil. But if I can get him to do anything but worship God, I still win because we're created to worship. There's power in worship. And so even to come into a place and just let religion be stale and dead and hands in our pocket and we don't sacrifice our praise, he's still winning. Sacrifice of praise and how we worship is a big deal because it's been the strive of the enemy. He tried to pull it on Jesus. Hey, let me take your worship. And we think like, oh, if I go through the motions, I'll get on to the next thing and I'll be able to build everything that I want. What are we saying? We're saying the temptation that he tried to pull on Jesus. You'll be able to build your nation. You'll be able to have everything you want. So don't worship. Don't spend your time doing that. Sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of serving and reaching your neighbor. Just go over here and build your own nation. Amen? I thought about this. They took him to a high place and asked him to jump. They said, the angels will catch you. Like, hey, uh, here's a temptation I'm going to use on you. Go up here and jump and angels will catch you. And, And he's saying, you know, he, of course, he resisted. He made a sacrifice of resisting and he kept his lifestyle. And what I noticed about this is it took him up to a high place. Danger happens when we get to a high place in our life. And I'm talking about a prideful place. We get to a high place too and we feel established and we feel like we've achieved and we feel like we've surpassed a lifestyle of sacrifice. Well, my parents were in church and I've gone to church this many years and I've served in this many ministries and, I've done, and we let ourselves get to a high place and we think that we don't have to sacrifice anymore because we have a lineage or we have a, a years of it. It's a lifestyle of it, not a past of it, amen? And so those high places, pride comes before a fall. We say things like, I don't need to sacrifice anymore. It's not my season. Uh, I thought about it like this. Many times God calls for sacrifice in this area of our life and we know what it is. And we say, oh no, I don't need to sacrifice. That's not important. Look how good I'm doing over here. And so we just keep highlighting this area that we're doing so good at. And God's like, I don't, I'm not talking about that. this is the area I want to deal on. I know you're doing good there, but you'll be even better if you sacrifice here. Give me that, and this will get better. And we said, no, no, look, but look, look, I don't have any places I need to sacrifice or lay down my flesh or pick up my cross because look how good I'm doing here, amen? Yeah. That's the high place. That's a pride place, and it causes us to not live a lifestyle of sacrifice, amen? amen. Elijah, the scripture says, um, you guys doing okay on time? Like anyone's going to be like, no, I really got to go. I gotta. <laughs> the one person walks out. I'm going to give us a few more minutes. but uh, So Elijah, we know the scripture. Uh, there's no rain uh, in, the, in the scripture. You see for three and a half years, there's no rain. And it says, it shall not rain according to my word. You're in that. You see the 450 prophets of Baal. And uh, there's this challenge between whose God is God. The prophets of Baal have this idea. Of course, Elijah has this idea. And there's this whole thing of who is God the best God. whose God is God. Who's legit here. And there's no rain. And it was a bad thing. Scripture says rivers are dry. The scripture says there's no rain three and a half years. Uh, there's not even dew in the mountains, which means it's a very bad thing. It's so bad. There's not even mountain dew. And so that, we, that's bad, Bo. It's bad. Um, but so the bad time, you understand the bad times that they're in. They can't even, no dew in the mountains. And, uh, Jokes aside, here's what happens. The prophets of Baal say, So, this crazy drought, rivers dried up. I mean, you got to think about what that was in that time when they're working fields. It's not like groceries are stocked. You just go. I mean, literally, think about what that meant for them to be that dry in that time. And so uh, they say, Let's do this. We're going to go up on this mountain. and, And if your God is God, uh, he, will, he will burn up this sacrifice. He'll come to, he'll answer in fire is the thing. And so what's interesting about the false prophets or the prophets of Baal, it says that they built the sacrifice and then it says that they got real dressed up. So they got real flashy. They got real good looking on the outside. And then it says that they danced and they were leaping and they were loud, okay? And so what they did is they made it come off as if they had everything put together, they looked good. They had the right answers. They said all the things. They were loud. They were dominant. And it sounded like they were just like the, the loudest. I think sometimes in culture, the false prophets can be the loudest and they can come off like they got it all put together and they're smarter and they're craftier and look how we're saying it right. And you're, Amen. Are you tracking with me on that? And so here, that's what they're doing. They're making this big scene and some people they're saying it gets louder and louder and louder and so Elijah's turn comes and this is what I want to focus on it says that he makes the same thing but then he says this he says hey go get me four barrels of water so they make a sacrifice that they're planning that the winner it gets burned up okay and he says go get me four barrels of water he didn't say go get four pitchers he didn't you know go say, he said he didn't say get a rag and we'll squeeze a little out he said go get four barrels of water. Why? Because he knew an altar built with no sacrifice is meaningless. An altar that you come to and you don't bring sacrifice to is meaningless. A church that you go to without sacrifice is meaningless. Amen. God didn't call us to go to church. God didn't call us to go through motions. God called us to lay down our lives and take up a cross and follow him and have great sacrifice. Amen? Amen. He showed it. He showed it. Hey, do you want to know how to live? Do like me. Take up your cross, crucify yourself. Meaning, what does it mean? It means give your life for others so that we may see him saved, healed, whole. Amen? Amen. And so the scripture says, so he gets these four barrels of water and he dumps it on there. And you think like, okay, okay. Uh, that's amazing, I can't believe that he did that. And then guess what he tells his guys? Go get four more. And then a third time, go get four more. Why? Because we're gonna make sure that this thing is filled with sacrifice. The scripture says that from heaven, the fire came down and licked up all the water, meaning none of it was left. Amen? Amen? God paid attention to every sacrificial drop. I'm here to tell you this morning, Every sacrifice you make, God makes account for. He's going to notice every last drop of sacrifice that you make, and he will reward you for it. Amen? Amen? Water was rare. He understood it needed to be a precious thing, something that he didn't have a lot of. And it needed to be noticed when it was given up. God, like, oh, we notice. Many times we make a decision. Oh, I think, I think God's calling me to do something. Oh, yeah, we better not do it because we don't have a lot of that. Or, oh, if we do that, it will really cost us. Or, oh, we can't say yes to that because we would notice it if we gave it up. That's what God's looking for. What area of your life are you able to give up that's gonna cost you something, that you're gonna feel it, that you're gonna notice that you gave it to God? Amen? I love this statement. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Like, we gotta be all in. We gotta put in. Amen? I'll close with this the uh, scripture tells this interesting story uh, and there's a lot to it that I can't cover right now. But uh, the Philistines, uh, they attack Israel and they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, there was victory. And so of course their take on it is like, if we get it, then we'll be the... And so they take it and uh, they're dying from it. And there's things happening to them, uh, obviously through their disobedience. And so the scripture begins to describe that they said it hitched it up check this out. This is so strange, but so great. It says that they take the Ark of of the Covenant, which for those of you that don't know, it's this box thing that can travel and people carried it and were over it. There's all these things that go with it. But the scripture says that they hitched it up to two calves. Okay. Cows. Two cows. Two calves. And they had just given birth. These two they hook them up to these two cows, I don't know, ox, whatever, however they would transport these things. But they had just given birth. And what they said at this time, the Philistines said, if those cows carry that box back and stay on the course, then we'll know. And they walked behind it and there's all this stuff to the story. But the scripture literally points this out. It says that when they were walking, the cows were walking, they were lowing as they went or they were cow crying as they went. They had calves back here. But even these animals understood that they had to carry, to carry the blessing, to carry the presence of God, the promise, the promise of God. There, there had to be a season of sacrifice. Even these animals knew that they, they, went, they went on the way and the scripture says they stayed on the course. I believe that they were, they were led by God, even these animals. And it said, but along the way, they went lowing, they went crying, they went in discomfort as they were leaving something. Are you with me? Same call is on our life. I believe many times in our life, the blessing is hitched up to the sacrifice. Say it again. Your blessing is hitched up to your great sacrifice. That's a good place to say amen. What you're looking for, the breakthrough, the blessing, the presence of God, that God's presence is always with us. But the breakthrough presence that you need many times is hooked up to the sacrifice that we spend a lot of energy running from. Like God's called, oh, no, 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 we can't be that. We can't be a part of that. That's not what we do. We're not comfortable. And the blessing is hitched up to the thing that you need to just trust God, even in the pain, and go down the road. Amen? I hear it all the time. We'd love to be more involved. We'd love to make a difference in the community. We'd love to, but you know, Sunday, it's our family day. What day is the Lord's day then? Oh, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're really, uh, you know, we'd love to do more, we'd love to be used more. We'd love to make a difference in our community. Uh, but you know, we're, you know, we're God, you know, God is, we take care of our relationship at home. You know, we, we serve God at home. We serve God at, okay, how do you do that? Well, I pray and I read the Bible you know that's not sacrifice that's obedience right a lot of times we go like well I'm, I'm i'm killing it with god i'm i'm taking up my cross and following him and what are you doing i'm being obedient <laughs> to the basics right and i'm not downplaying any of those and i know that at times it's sacrificial for us to do those things i understand that in our schedule and all those kinds of things but the people that jesus got the most frustrated with are the ones that walked to him and said, hey, look at me, keep the law. I'm being obedient. Look at me, keep the X's and O's. Look at, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. God's like, but what about following me with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? What about a lifestyle of sacrifice? What about relationship with me? Amen. I love this statement. If blessing is the pen, sacrifice is the ink. It's our sacrifice that makes the difference. And then the amazing thing with God is the blessing, the return that we see on it. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, nobody who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel. Nobody who's left those things, nobody who sacrificed time, nobody who sacrificed family, nobody who sacrificed friendship, careers, all of those things, nobody who sacrificed those things will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. In this present age. Like God is up there like calling for sacrifice, calling for sacrifice. Why? Because he's also up there waiting to be like, I can't wait to a hundred times back to you in this present age, your reward. He's not asking great sacrifice so that he can take from us. And, you know, he's doing it because he can't wait to be like a hundred times as much in this present age. And it says homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children in fields. And then it says, along with persecutions and in this age to come eternal life none of your sacrifices go unnoticed the scripture says that heaven licked up every drop of water noticed it all paid attention to all of it same thing in your life whatever you're willing to say yes to sacrificially god is paying attention to because he's going to reward it greatly the scripture says in this life anytime god asks you to give something up it's so he can give you something better Anytime God asks you to give something up, it's so he can give you something better. He's not a downgrade God. Uh, we do this thing, especially in our summer schedule, where uh, we make just crazy full weeks. It's, uh, if you've ever heard the analogy, um, take your medicine. You, know, you just take your medicine all like in one thing. You just get it over with, right? And so a lot of times we'll do that with our schedule. We're just like, we'll load it. We'll just make it crazy in a week. And then you know, the, the next week, then we get like an extra night to ourselves, or whatever that kind of thing we get a little bit more breathing room and man i'm telling you those weeks of sacrifice there's times where you look at everything on the calendar you're just like oh my gosh is this going to be this is a big deal and we just push through and we sacrifice and we i've never regretted one of those weeks where you've sacrificed and you just give and you go all in any of the things that god called you to you go all in you never regret that i'll say it to you like this I've never met with anyone who's given extra to God and regretted it. But almost daily I meet with people who held back from God and regret it. I've never had somebody be like, man, we we trusted God and we just, and I regret it. But most of the time when someone needs to meet with us because it's gotten off track or it's derailed or it always starts with, well, we know God wanted us to do this or we were on the path like this and then we stopped and we've lost sacrifice and we've, amen? and regret. Keep a lifestyle of sacrifice. Let's not be kingdom dieters. Let's all in. Let's make daily adjustments to put God first. Like Job, we get up and we do extra. Amen? So the scripture says, if a man compels you to go one, go more. Do more because sacrifice is better. Amen?